On today's show, the story of how a flagship name in sexual wellness and expression has evolved from its heritage into today's digital age. Let's talk about it on this Authentic Avenue. Playboy, better known today as the PLBY Group, is a name that most will know as that flagship brand. Today I'm on with Rachel Weber, who is their chief brand and strategy officer, and she joined the company just two years ago. Today we talk about her journey from mass media to consumer tech to brands to now, plus her thoughts on what Playboy stands for today, how they operationalize their own authenticity through creative self-expression, and finally, we talk about some of the things that I don't know a whole lot about, but are firsts for the show, notably NFTs. And finally, of course, talk about advice as to how to become more authentic yourself, including talk about a personal board of directors. More on that in the show. I'll back away and let you hear it. So without further ado, enjoy as I get real with Playboy, PLBY Group, and Rachel Weber. Hey, Rachel, how are you? I'm great, thank you. It's wonderful to be here. How are you? I'm doing well. It's it's good to talk to you too. I don't have the biggest intersection with you with regards to our businesses. However, I, I will say as a personal anecdote at the very top of this, that when I was doing my first ever podcast, I've done a couple of them. Uh, my first one I was doing between the years of uh, like the end of 2016 and the middle of 2018. Um, I only ever did one podcast really in this world. And it was with somebody who had been, had been featured in uh, Playboy. And I was learning about her journey a little bit. And your journey, of course, uh, is on the business side, going from big media to consumer tech to brands. And now here, and I know that Playboy in itself has undergone a little bit of an evolution. Now the the, the PLBY group, are you saying Playboy group? Are you saying PLBY? How, how are you doing that? PLBY group. But, and PLBY. with Playboy is our flagship brand. Absolutely. Right. So tell me about joining that flagship brand or, or the group in general. Uh, I know you were you were coming from my neck of the woods beforehand at National Geographic. I, I live in the D.C. area. Yeah. So you made the trip across the country. What What drew you to this story at this time? Uh, well, you know, so I joined Playboy almost two and a half years ago. Um, as you described, my background before that was a hybrid of roles at big traditional media companies, as well as a few experiences in consumer tech. Uh, so I was at Tumblr in the early days of Tumblr, uh, at Rovio for a few years, the company that makes Angry Birds. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, most recently, I was at National Geographic, where I ran uh, the digital business there. Um, I think the through line for me that I can recognize now uh, through all of those experiences um, is just how much I've gravitated towards working on things that inspire an emotional connection in people. Um, I've loved kind of figuring out uh, how you can impact consumer behavior. Uh, I loved getting to work on things that help people learn about themselves, express themselves. Um, and, you know, the theme of, of your conversation today is, is authenticity, um, you know, and for me, that standout experience from my personal professional journey um, on authenticity and kind of what was really authentically me um, and what was not so much me uh, was the time that I spent at Tumblr, uh, you know, was transformative for so many reasons, um, being in a product and engineering driven environment. Um, being employee number 50-ish, you know, so already had grown, but still very early as a, as a company. 
but I also learned about myself there, just how much I personally prefer being close to the IP, the content, you know, the big brand itself versus uh, working on the platform. Um, and so, you know, following Tumblr, when the opportunity came to join Rovio to really get my hands dirty with this insanely beloved brand, um, that was something that, you know, I had to jump at. Um, and it was at Rovio that I think I first really wrapped my head around the opportunity to build new products and services off the back of a big iconic brand or big, big IP. I saw the, the power of this crazy fandom. Um, you know, I learned the, the power of what a brand can, can be in, in consumers' lives. Um, so that experience kind of crystallized for me, this passion for big iconic brands. Um, when the opportunity to join National Geographic uh, presented itself, it was obviously something I couldn't pass up, even though um, it meant at the time moving across the country, uh, which, you know, was was something I, I, you know, I wasn't looking to do, but but absolutely something I would do for that experience. Uh, and then when the Playboy team first reached out um, and I had recently moved back to L.A., um, my my first instinct was this is one of the most one of the world's most iconic brands. Um, of course, I'm going to take that meeting um, and learn more. Um, so that's for me kind of at my core. I was I was constantly learning more and more about myself and this um, this passion for brands that move people. Um, and that's where when I met the, the Playboy team, uh, you know, I had to had to dive in um, and understand uh, what this brand is all about. And I found something that um, I'm personally very passionate about uh, and really excited about uh, the work that we've been doing uh, with the brand. I will ask you that in a second, what you're personally passionate about and how that links with PLBY. Because again, you'll be the expert here and you'll educate me a little bit to beyond what stereotypically might be understood by the word playboy even. But I want to focus for a second on what is authentically you. I liked how you said that. I'm curious specifically if there is a story where you truly learned that authenticity can be powerful, however you define that. Of course, you've got plenty of illustrious brands that you've worked for over time. Maybe there's something recent that came up. I'm curious if you have a story from, well, let's say, you know, you've been my neck of the woods, maybe from the Nat Geo days. To me, authenticity is what is inarguably true. Uh, it's what is true. It's what kind of even more importantly feels true um, to an audience, to a consumer, to your friends. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories you asked about Nat Geo uh, and thinking about brand authenticity uh, is when uh, I, I learned about how National Geographic's famous, you know, 100 million plus follower Instagram was created. Uh, so when I first got, got to DC and my role included responsibility for these incredible social platforms, you know, I started digging around to, to really understand what is making this thing uh, so powerful? How is this actually built? Uh, and I, I had heard a bit about the photographers all contributing uh, to the Instagram, but what I hadn't fully wrapped my head around uh, was that was the origin story of the Instagram, of course, um, and really how it, it's it's being run even now today. Um, this origin story uh, is that in the very early days of Instagram, 
a small handful of National Geographic photographers uh, just decided together to grab the, the Nat Geo Instagram handle uh, and start posting their work. And if you go back to the very beginning, actually, you see a lot, um, you know, there's, there's some social posts that they make together. Um, and it just became this kind of community shared thing with that group of Nat Geo photographers. Um, and that continued to grow, obviously, as Instagram continued to grow. Um, and of course, they have the most incredible photography on the planet, um, you know, access to wildlife wildlife pictures and, you know, travel photography and things that inherently work so well on a visual-based platform. Um, but what's really interesting um, is that, is that, you know, what Nat Geo stands for uh, is ultimately um, kind of authentically helping people explore their worlds. Um, and, the, and the way that these photographers were using Instagram to be kind of a window uh, through which all of these fans and audiences um, could explore the world right alongside those explorers and photographers and kind of through their eyes. And they were doing things that don't necessarily speak to kind of social media best practice, you know, putting these long captions and telling stories, but it, but it works for the Nat Geo brand and it works because it was, because it was, and it is uh, these personal stories from those explorers and photographers. And the fact that it wasn't manufactured, this wasn't a brilliant idea by a social media manager a decade ago, uh, something like that. And this actually came from, um, you know, kind of the realness and that, that real spirit of the community um, creating something together. And the fact that this is one of the things I love most about National Geographic, that it's still does that today and the Instagram is still in the hands uh, of the photographers uh, is something really special. Um, and to me, a story that just helped me wrap my head around uh, when you do things that are authentic, when you're in a big corporation, you also have to find ways to kind of allow that authenticity to continue to um, persist, um, to not overly manufacture things um, and to really get at the core because ultimately that's what what's going to resonate most with your fans and consumers. So right on that note, I'd like to talk about the notion of uh, the free expression for which PLBY stands for today. And it is a nice segue too to note that Nat Geo is all about finding uh, stories that people can explore through and, and the explorers, of course, that take those journeys. And you have taken your own journey in, in exploring this this new world. Again, across the country, you come to PLBY, you are learning about the group itself, what it is building on, uh, again, beyond that perhaps traditional understanding of what Playboy is. And it leads me all to ask, what is PLBY about today? I mean, what what does the, the PLBY group stand for? Obviously, I know that consumer brand, but you're going to know way more than me, and I'd just like to know. Playboy's mission and Playboy is the flagship brand of PLBY Group and is really, um, I think, the core of setting what our whole parent company's uh, mission is. Uh, Playboy's mission is to create a culture where all people can pursue pleasure. Um, and the articulation of that mission uh, is really rooted in Playboy's core DNA, as you described, around free expression, sex positivity, equality, fighting for and advocating for personal freedoms. When I joined the company a little over two years ago, 
we set out to do the work to really understand and articulate and really reintroduce the brand for consumers today to revitalize the brand for a new generation of audiences and really expand our, our addressable market. We started that work by really digging into the heritage. Um, on a personal level, I learned so much about the incredible things from the history of Playboy uh, over um, nearly seven decades, uh, from its advocacy work on civil rights, um, taking very early stands on LGBTQ plus equality, lending its platform on reproductive rights, on cannabis law reform, um, looked at the history of Playboy um, as this platform for free expression. You know, the famous Playboy interview and fiction pieces and the work uh, with artists from Andy Warhol to Leroy Neiman to Salvador Dali um, as a driver of this first sexual revolution. Um, and all of those pieces were really coming together that led to that articulation, uh, that the role that we believe we can play is to push culture forward um, and to create that culture where all people can pursue pleasure. We also recognize in that work that if we're in the business of creating culture, and that's where that language is very intentional, uh, that it's our role to continuously reevaluate and push ourselves forward that there are parts of the brand and its heritage that will not come forward with us today. And that's okay. And we recognize those and, and, and take accountability. Um, and what's so crucial um, is, really, is really going forward saying, how do we bring to life that authentic purpose for those that we're interacting with and serving? So how do we deliver on that mission? Uh, for many years, particularly in the U.S. and in Western markets, um, you know, Playboy's work came to life through editorial. Um, but what people maybe don't wrap their heads around and what we think about ourselves as is the original lifestyle brand, too. It was in 1960 that you could step into a Playboy club. Uh, you could wear Playboy cufflinks in the late 50s, literally wearing the brand on your sleeve. Um, so for us, uh, from a the way that we serve consumers today uh, is really as that lifestyle brand. And we do that globally. We have products in over 180 countries. We drive um, an enormous amount of consumer affection and spend, ultimately driving you know, $3 billion of consumer spend. Um, and that comes to life in products and services that we think are authentic to that mission. Um, so it's why we're focused on uh, categories like the sexual wellness category. It's what consumers expect from us and want from us. It's why we're focused on our fashion business and um, kind of style and apparel and accessories. Um, it's all about this creative free expression. Um, and the key thing is also how we bring those products to market. So for example, when we're bringing our, when we brought last year, our first line of uh, intimacy products to market, uh, we did that right alongside a series of classes um, about expanding access to pleasure. Uh, when, we, when we create experiences uh, for fans, we created this uh, really fun live pop-up. This was before the pandemic, uh, but called Playhouse. Uh, we did one in New York and one in LA that was all about kind of arousing the senses and creating these immersive art experiences and music um, events and whiskey tastings. Um, and that's all about kind of expanding what pleasure can mean for you in your own life. Um, and most importantly for us as well, it's about passing the mic uh, to, those to, to those who are going to express themselves 
um, to allow people to really see um, a whole diversity of voices. Um, and we can do that at Playboy through these amazing franchises that are part of our history, but really, really pull those forward. So things like using our Playboy interview and um, having and hosting conversations with people like Tarana Burke and Jamila Jamil and Jamel Hill and, and to hear from them. So we're really committed to that mission. And ultimately, um, it's about uh, it's about really kind of expanding that pleasure lifestyle um, and enabling people to find the way that they can incorporate pleasure and leisure into their lives. Which parts of this do you think you were most personally passionate about when you came in? I know you mentioned that at the top, you found over time that it it meshes with what you're you know, you, you personally care very strongly about. Is it more the, the the proliferation of this industry? Is it having those conversations? What what part of it is it for you? Again, the idea of getting back to authentic Leo, I'd love to know what, what part of these are, are the highlights for you? There are elements to this that I found myself personally really passionate about, as well as really passionate about uh, from the perspective of what I think consumers are asking for today. Uh, I think consumers are seeking out conversations on what a healthy holistic lifestyle is and recognizing that a healthy conversation on sex uh, should be part of that uh, is part of wellness is part of mental mental health and mental wellness uh, and that was something that I saw well if we have a brand um, that inherently in people's lives they associate with conversations on sex they associate with um, kind of pushing boundaries on on what is okay to um, talk about and embrace in your life, um, this is gonna be a brand that can play a role in their lives. So there was a huge part of that where I saw a genuine business opportunity because I, I think consumers are seeking, seeking these topics out today. And on a personal level, um, I saw something that, that the, all the advocacy work that, that Playboy has done is, is really moving to me. Um, and the opportunity to take something that authentically has served as a platform for revolutionary voices, uh, for pushing society forward, to take a brand that has is is somewhat unapologetic about um, hosting these tough dialogues, um, and with alongside a willingness to continue evolving, um, was something that uh, I you know I that personally moved me and and felt like something I wanted to. Um, I wanted to sink my teeth into um, and and explore and help bring forward. Interesting. I've got two more questions that are, are closer to that business. And I want to come back to you, what you're interested in, um, because this uh, authenticity that I talk about all the time is uniquely operationalized through the businesses that I speak with. And you've mentioned a couple of ways in which it happens, but there are so many different ways in which I'm sure the group is now bringing things to market. I'm curious if you have a favorite one or two, and if this is just those communications and those conversations, you tell me again. But given that brands have infinite avenues through which to operationalize their authenticity, I'm curious which currently are yours and PLBY's. I think what's really interesting about the avenues to operationalize authenticity is that there has to be a way to weave authenticity into the muscle memory uh, across an organization. And what I mean by that is that within every function, within every team, uh, you want to set those teams up that they're making their 
their daily, their hourly, their minute by minute decisions with that level of brand understanding and what is unique to that organization, what is going to really resonate with consumers. It can't be something when you think about what's authentically, um, you know, this organization that is siloed in a brand team. Similarly to, you, you know, a diversity, equity, and inclusion practice needs to be woven through an entire organization um, versus solely sitting in an HR team, for example. Um, it has to be about um, daily, hourly, every, every type of decision that's being made um, is upholding those values and upholding uh, what, what your company's purpose and mission is. Um, of course, there should be teams that, um, you know, help uh, keep the organization accountable, help spearhead initiatives, help create tools. Um, but I think if a business is going to be really successful, um, it, it it's because you, the whole organization is living and breathing what that organization's purpose really is. Um, when I think about, you know, a recent example, um, you know, when we think about uh, product development at uh, PLBY Group and at Playboy, uh, one of the things we've been thinking a lot about is an entry into the cannabis space. Uh, now we're a newly public company and we will be, uh, we're, we're eagerly anticipating uh, federal uh, regulation around uh, cannabis, um, you know, to make cannabis legal. But we're getting ourselves ready, uh, not because we see solely a business opportunity and want to slap the Playboy brand uh, onto a new consumer product that, uh, you know, that, that we believe people want today. Uh, but it's also because cannabis products are authentic to what Playboy has uh, been about, been about uh, for the last 50 plus years. Uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier that um, Playboy has been advocating for cannabis law reform, social justice in cannabis uh, for many decades. Uh, it's been part of the content we've produced, part of the partnerships and uh, Playboy Foundation work. Um, and therefore, we think it's authentic to the brand and authentic to that purpose of enabling pleasure for all, and also authentic to that purpose around um, advocating for a culture in which all people uh, can pursue pleasure. There's a lot more social justice work to be done to create that world. Um, so that's where it ties into our product roadmap, uh, but it also ties to the work that we do internally. So we've set up an internal mentorship program in partnership with this organization um, called Momentum, um, and which is in partnership with Ease, uh, where a number of our executives uh, are mentors to black and brown entrepreneurs building uh, cannabis businesses. It's how we use our reach across our social platforms um, to partner with organizations uh, to have to leverage our Instagram following, for example, um, to tell the stories and the work that that they are doing on the ground. Um, so this is where. Uh, and this is across all of our teams. This is across our people ops team. It's across our marketing and digital marketing team. It's across our product development team. Um, so that's just one example of how you think about really weaving purpose uh, into the way that uh, every, every group within your organization uh, is functioning and making their daily decisions. Yeah, I really love that mentorship idea. I've been talking with more and more people about mentorship Quick shout out if anybody listens to this podcast and they're part of the Monday Night Mentorship Group that happens once a month. And then uh, again, by uh, a couple folks, I don't know if you've met these folks, Rachel, uh, Jabari Hearn, who's over at Westbrook now. Yeah. 
they and they started that in the midst of the pandemic and now have really blown that out and it's become a really incredible resource. I'm glad you're doing the same kind of things internally. That is wonderful. No, it's it's wonderful what they've built and I know the marketing community um just feels so supported by that. So shout out to that team as well. Big big shout out. Jabari, if you're listening, I want you on the show. All right, anyway, uh <laughs> small plug. So I let me ask him about the product roadmap that I am super ignorant about generally that I just saw you talk about on LinkedIn. And I want to know, because I think this links to authenticity actually pretty well in a technical sense, NFTs. I've never talked about it on this show before. Frankly, I really don't know what exactly it is, but you all are getting into it. Can you explain a little bit about why? And then I know we talked about a little earlier about this technical authenticity as a foundation for NFTs, the blockchain and all that. Could you help illuminate that for me just a little bit because it's the first time we're talking about it here on this podcast at all sure i think the nft space and what blockchain technology can enable uh is so exciting right now um and really speaks to that theme of authenticity uh both for playboy in so many ways uh as well as really that that theme of authenticity um you know, across so many industries and, and really, really exploding um, what authenticity is going to mean um, kind of structurally in society, I think. Um, for Playboy on the NFT art side, um, we have this um, long illustrious uh, history um, in art. Uh, it was in the first issue of Playboy magazine, actually, that the line was written, Picasso, Jazz, Nietzsche, and Sex that those are the four conversation topics that any sophisticated individual should be able to embrace. Um, you know, and from that first conversation on Picasso led to partnerships with Andy Warhol, Leroy Neiman was on staff for many years, Salvador Dali, uh, building a, a big art collection that existed uh, on the walls of the Playboy Mansion. Um, to recently working with artists like Marilyn Minter and Hank Willis Thomas and, um, you know, really serving as a platform for uh, artists to express themselves, as well as Playboy serving as a role to support emerging artists and commission new work. Um, so for us, when we've we've seen this kind of digital art revolution, uh, we think it's it's part of our DNA and really part of our, our role and purpose to continue to support emerging artists. It's a big reason why we're so excited to partner with Nifty Gateway in particular, uh, because of their commitment uh, to supporting emerging artists uh, and the role that they've played uh, in really um, in really pushing this art form uh, and the technology platform forward to democratize access uh, to a new collector base uh, for art. Um, so this is something that to our conversation earlier really connects to um, the authenticity for uh, Playboy uh, from a product roadmap perspective, um, as well as the role that we that we really think that we can play uh, from a social good perspective in really continuing to um, support those emerging voices and and enable creative self-expression. Uh, on the kind of society side and what blockchain uh, can revolutionize, um, you know, in many ways, art and the way that we can think about art on the blockchain um, really helps us wrap our heads around 
the use cases of the blockchain, um, but it's it's obviously scratching the surface of, of its applications. Um, you know, really thinking about the opportunities to track supply chain, thinking about the opportunities, um, you know, in all industries, real estate, insurance, uh, you name it, it's going to be really revolutionized uh, by blockchain technology. Um, and I think that that uh, it creates in a way a new kind of structural, authentic foundation, um, which is just going to be fascinating to see how that evolves. Um, I really do hope, you know, kind of simultaneous to that, we retain, um, you know, kind of an eye for constant growth um, and evolution um, kind of as these things continue to evolve. I hope so, too. I've been encouraged by that technology simply. I mean, look, authenticity has a number of definitions, right? One of them is just like not fake, like real, which the technology is from from the ground level, you can't really fake it or fraud it, at least not right now. But the fact that you're using it to proliferate something which goes back to the very early days of Playboy is something that uh, was talked about from the very beginning. And you're now using that in a digital sense to support creators uh, and artists is really, really wonderful. That's another version of authenticity that I'm glad uh, is an avenue that you all are taking. But I'm going to turn this final question from what Playboy is doing to what Rachel does on a day-to-day basis. This is our advice column, and it's how I want to round out. Now, our listeners, a lot of them are marketing leaders. A lot of them are people just like you, Rachel, but a lot of them are also folks who are emulating your journey. Now, I don't know if that means uh, going from, from big media to consumer tech or going across the country, but simply to find out what they are personally passionate about and finding the professional fit to match You've told me about this so far today, and similar to the way that businesses find their avenues to authenticity, so do do people. And I'd be curious to know how you carve your own avenues to it, how you might advise others to do it, and if there is a core of people that advise you on how to do it. Um, I'm teasing that out a little bit because I know that you have one, but I'd be curious to get your thoughts here as we round out today. One thing that it's a big I think, question, by the way, <laughs> that's a huge question. It is, and it's so it's so important. Uh, and I think the the role of mentorship uh, is so important. Embracing um, the opportunity to learn from those around you, and embracing the opportunity to serve as a mentor. Uh, and that's what I was thinking a lot about uh, before joining you this morning. Uh, you know, we talked a, a, a bit about this idea of a personal board of directors. Um, one of the things that I've found in that to be um, really one of the, one of the things that I've I found in that to be really important um, is as you're rounding out that personal board of directors, of course you're including those who may have years of experience on you or subject matter experts um, to help guide you in the decision making, um, you know, kind of throughout your your career or your personal life. Um, but also the, really the importance of matching that uh, on your personal board of directors and who you go to to seek guidance from. Um, those that are your peers or those who know you best, who know the real you, what's motivating you, who can kind of call you out, who can hold you accountable. Uh, because through that, I think, um, you know, you're, you're really kind of rounding out all of these perspectives and opinions and it's helping you get to the core of what's really driving you. Probably even more, uh, even more important than that 
that has been kind of a new thing for me, a new realization, um, is including in that personal board of directors, those who you actually serve as a mentor to, um, both because you know, they, they have this unique insight into the way that kind of you ask questions, the way that you push, um, kind of push them as, as mentees. Um, but also because, uh, thinking about a personal board of directors, isn't only about seeking that, oh, here's that time in my life when I need an answer on something. I think it's about kind of constant evolution and growth and consideration. Um, and I found for myself that when I'm working with, um, a mentee of mine, uh, which I kind of find incredibly fulfilling that, that role. Um, it's actually when you really let go of yourself the most, um, is kind of when you're trying to help others find their truth. Um, when you're focusing on others and helping others, um, it, it allows you to, um, you know, you're getting so much out of that. Um, but I think subconsciously, um, you're also you're also pushing yourself even more and kind of really um, kind of getting to the the truths of what motivate you. Um, another tool and kind of advice uh, thing that I've been thinking a lot about um, is a strengths and weaknesses tool. Um, you know, to sit down and write down for yourself. Here are my ten to twenty strengths. Um, here are my ten to twenty weaknesses um, because. The great irony of this is acknowledging your weaknesses really turns into a strength. Um, and then when you can be a person who holds in your head two things at once, you can look in the mirror and say to yourself, I'm really good at what I do. And you can do that alongside holding in your head. Here are things that I'm working on. What it does is actually allow you to show up more authentically. What you're doing then is not uh, perseverating and obsessing about the things that um, you, you're not perfect on because you've acknowledged those, you've put those out there in the world in your head, um, and you know that you're constantly trying to improve and grow on those. Um, so, it, so it allows you to, I think, kind of let go of hiding from those things and how you show up in professional environments, personal environments, et cetera. Um, and it allows you to, to really um, present yourself in, in that healthier and, and, and be that healthier way. I think this is an all fantastic advice, by the way. I, I had thought about this. I've heard this once before on the personal board of directors specifically, and I've sort of informally built mine out. They don't know, really, <laughs> but I've told them that, uh, uh, you know, I take their advice really seriously and I, and I catch up with all of them. And part of it's from my personal life, part of it's from my professional life. And listeners, I'd encourage you to think about the same thing. Think about that. Think about the strengths and weaknesses we just discussed. And, um, you know, take, take Rachel's story and her advice to heart. Truly, this is somebody who has followed her personal passions from business to business and has now found a really wonderful fit here at PLBY. And for telling me a little bit more about that fit, about the stories therein and the story today, Rachel, I can't thank you enough for joining us and teaching me a thing or two and teaching our listeners a thing or two as well. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Adam, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. For me, it's family members, a friend from high school, a friend from professional life, my old boss, my older old boss, and my fiance. I would encourage you to do that study as well. Who's close to you that you can turn into your own personal BOD? Thank you, Rachel, for bringing that to the show, and thank you to the listener for tuning in. If you like this conversation, you want to hear more, there's a few ways you can do it. 
I'm on LinkedIn most frequently in terms of a social network, Adam Connor and Authentic Avenue. You can also write me via email, adam at authav.com, A-U-T-H-A-V-E. Shorten up that email for you so it's a little easier. Let me know what you're thinking of the show so far. And of course, you can also stay subscribed across podcast directories and leave a rating and review to let me know what you think publicly. I'll see you again next week with another story about how somebody carves their own avenues to authenticity. And until then, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and I'm now saying until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.